please stand. All praise eternal Son. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this Christmas Eve, this fourth Sunday in Advent, from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. In the days of our gospel reading, when John the Baptist was preaching, the longing for the Messiah to come that longing was coming to its peak. The time was fulfilled, according to the prophecies of the Old Testament. The Messiah just had to be expected, no less than the kids can expect Christmas morning in about 24 hours. So, when John the Baptist came, he came about like an ancient prophet. He was living the life of a hermit, preaching that the kingdom of heaven was coming now. The whole countryside was very excited. For all the region around the Jordan went to him. They went to him and they heard thundering sermons of repentance. And they repented. And they were baptized in that baptism and confessed their sins. Now they had thought that John was perhaps not only a great prophet, but maybe, just maybe, John himself was the Christ. The conviction had grown that John the Baptist was the Messiah for whom they had been waiting for for so long. And even the Jerusalem council was alerted of it. The council, made up of over 70 men. You see, they were, the, they were the court. They were the congress of the church. Should any question of faith arise, it, were, it was these men who settled it. So, they sent priests and Levites. They sent a delegation of highly respected men to very formally ask John whether or not he laid claim to being the promised Messiah. This delegation of faith checkers went to John to ultimately ask him, what is your confession? Now, John the Baptist, he's a pretty straightforward kind of guy. He confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And when the delegation pressed upon him to tell them who he was, 
Well, because remember, this delegation has to return and give a report to the powers that be. When the delegation pressed upon him to state why he was baptizing, he made a true and noble confession concerning Jesus. The confession of John the Baptist is one that every Christian should model. So today, on Christmas Eve, on this final Sunday in Advent, the very time that is so close to the coming of Christ on Christmas, I ask you, my friends, what do you confess? It's better to consider this now and to ask yourself that question because you never know when a delegation may be sent to you. Sent to you to ask you, dear Christian, who are you? Are you one of them? Maybe it's your job on the line. Maybe it's your reputation at stake. And confessing Christ as Lord, confessing Christ as King and your Savior, it just might threaten those things. Nah. My friends, it's happened to me. Even before I was a pastor. Your confession needs not only to be on the tip of your tongue, but planted firmly in your heart. John the Baptist today teaches us by his example what we also must confess concerning Jesus. See, John also had a threat too. John was pressed to within an inch of his own livelihood to make a confession. So then he referred to Jesus and said, He who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Any good confession concerning Jesus includes the realization of unworthiness. That is the reality of any human that must face God. John also says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now the Lord, of course, whose way should be made straight, is the Messiah and is Jesus. This is another confession of Jesus, confessing that Jesus is Lord. He is the same God of the Old Testament who was to come into the flesh, the Savior of the world. So to summarize, John the Baptist confesses two very distinct things about Jesus. That Jesus is true God and that Jesus is the Savior that had been expected. This models the same two things that Christians must confess today concerning Jesus. They must make a true confession regarding the person of Christ and the office of Christ. Well, why, though? Why must we Christians do so? Because to this day, my friends, the world around us does not know him. 
By every one of our testimonies, Christ's name should not only be made known, but also honored among men. Well, what is there to make known? Well, it is a fact that there was a man living in Judea about 2,000 years ago, and his name was Jesus. No sane person will deny that. Neither will that person deny that Jesus is the founder of Christianity. Jesus was true man. His humanity is undisputed. He was laid in a manger because he had nowhere else to lay his head. And he shamefully died on a cross. But yet here is what the world will not believe. That he is also the Lord of glory. That Jesus is the true and everlasting God. That Jesus came into this world to redeem us from sin and death by his innocent suffering and painful death on the cross. The world will not believe that you are saved by faith in Jesus Christ and not any other various way. The two principal points of dispute from unbelievers are the same two principal points of John's confession. Jesus Christ as God, his divinity, and Jesus Christ as Savior, his redemption. So we, we must confess and declare openly before all mankind that Jesus is more than mortal man, even more than an angel, even more than an archangel. He is the Lord before whom John made straight the way. Jesus, before whom every knee must bow, even the prophets, even the greatest prophet, John, had to confess. He had to confess that he deemed himself unworthy to even do the work of a slave, to loosen the sandal of his master. This is a chief part of our confession. Christ is Lord. Christ is King. Jesus is God, and I am unworthy. He must increase. I must decrease. And with that truth, we also must confess and testify to the truth of his miracles, the truth of his resurrection, the truth of his ascension into heaven, and his enthronement at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And that, yes, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. We also confess him as Savior. It is by Christ alone that we are saved. Our faith is that there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, saith the Lord. It's only the name of Jesus. We also must confess that Jesus receives sinners. Jesus welcomes all who come to him. The grace of Jesus knows no boundaries. 
and that he yearns and he longs to save us all. That Jesus is full of compassion. And yeah, we should bear our testimony to the world. That the Christian faith is no delusion. It's a real thing. It's a precious thing. A thing in which, a thing which will make one truly happy in this life and the next. Well, we have an admission to make, though. Each of us have to admit, each of us must confess that many souls of unbelievers would have been won over to Christ if those Christians with whom he or she came into contact with had not been so shy in confessing these truths of Christ. So we, we must admit that many Christians dare not open their mouths to confess the faith. The times when they should be clearly speaking. We need to ask ourselves, do we seek those opportunities to plead for the testimony of Christ? Or in the presence of unbelievers, do we act as if we are ashamed? Ashamed of the religion we profess to be true. I pray that we all remember that we must confess Christ. And that we all must remember what Jesus himself says about it. Everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. We always have to take into consideration, too, in what spiritual manner this confession is to be made. Like John's manner. A manner of deep humility. When asked by this delegation what he would say about himself, John the Baptist claimed to be no more than a message, a voice, not even a person. John, a man whose highest work was to forget about himself completely and commend himself to the work given to him from heaven. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. And when they asked him, then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, John answered them, I baptize with water. He says, I am not the master. I am but the servant. I simply baptize with water. But there is another who shall give unto, the, unto this sacrament its effectiveness. It's wonderful power to work forgiveness of sins, to deliver from death and the devil, and to give eternal salvation. And that man is Jesus. The strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. It is in the manner of John that we also must confess Jesus before men with sincere humility toward our Lord and with a deep conviction of our own unworthiness. That's the true Christian spirit. 
It is not the true Christian spirit to think a great deal of yourself. It is not to hold a high opinion of yourself. It is not the true Christian spirit to compare yourself to others and find yourself much better. To boast of all, of, of all your virtues. That is the spirit of the Pharisee who went into the temple and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. We must admit always that we, we sin daily and we deserve nothing but punishment. And if God should deal with us according to our sins, we would be forever lost. But we believe. We are Christians. And it is fantastic to know that we have been converted to Christ Jesus. That we are walking in that narrow way that leads to eternal life. And that we, my friends, we stand in God's grace and favor. You have forgiveness of sins. You are made heirs of eternal life. And we believe and we teach and we confess that this is not to our own credit. As if we were the authors of salvation. But credit only goes to the grace and mercy of the Almighty God. Here is what you can say. Here is what you can confess. You can say, I did not by my own reason or strength come to Jesus. But the Holy Spirit called me by the gospel. Enlightened me with his gifts. He continues to sanctify me and keeps me in the one true faith. Confessing Christ can also seem fearful. Let's look at the fearlessness of John in God's word for help. The priests and the Levites indeed were the rightful teachers of the people. They were the ones who sat in Moses' seat. John is bold enough to say to them, Among you stands one you do not know. What does this imply? They should have known. They should have known Jesus and that he is the Christ. Why? Did not the wise men come to Jerusalem 30 years earlier from the east, seeking the newborn king of the Jews? Did not the ruler them, rulers themselves direct the wise men to Bethlehem? And did not God show them rather clearly by these wise men that the Messiah had come? Did not Simeon take up the child Jesus in his arms and say, My eyes have seen your salvation, O Lord? Happened in the temple. Did these priests and Levites not have a conversation with Jesus when he was 12 years old? Did they not admire his understanding and his answers? Why did these priests and Levites lose interest in this miraculous child. For that, John the Baptist boldly rebukes them for their own negligence. And he confesses that Jesus, whom they do not know, is the Christ. Let them say what they will about it. Let them do what they will about it. 
Let us also take up that courage, that boldness. Because, no, it's not easy to confess Jesus in these days. With a firm confession in Jesus, you run the risk of being persecuted. It can injure your worldly reputation. You can be ridiculed. You can be labeled as out of touch. You can be laughed at. You can be called crazy. All these things and more, they did to Christ. It takes courage to confess Christ and say that you delight in the law and gospel of the Lord. Some people cannot bear to hear the name of Jesus professed to them as Lord and Savior. Some of those who confess may suffer consequences. But fear not. Here we are, 2,000 years later, celebrating the birth of the founder of this holiday we call Christmas. Fear not. You believe the truth. Do not be afraid. What is this world to us? What are the things of this world to us? We Christians are going to be together forever because of a Savior born in Bethlehem. And when the storm of this world is finally passed and our days of confessing Christ are over, we shall find in our Savior Jesus an advocate with the Father. And Jesus shall say to the Father, let these ones enter into glory for they have confessed me before men and endured to the end. And they shall always be with me. In the name of Jesus. Amen.